You're listening to the Heart and Hustle podcast. We're your hosts, Evie Rupp and Lindsay Roman. Thank you guys so much for tuning into another episode of the show. If you haven't, make sure you're subscribed. And if you take two minutes to leave us a quick five-star review, if you're digging the show, that would be super helpful. All right. Now, are you tired? No, like really, are you tired? Like me to you, are you tired? (laughs) I ask that because do you feel like you're always running on fumes? If so, don't you dare go anywhere because today's guest is going to blow your mind and rejuvenate your soul. Okay, that sounded super fluffy, but I'm not kidding. (laughs) This episode is so good. We had the honor of chatting with Dr. Sandra Dalton-Smith, a board-certified internal medicine physician, speaker, and author. She is an international wellness expert featured in numerous media outlets, including Prevention, MSNBC, Women's Day, Fox, Fast Company, Psychology Today, and as a guest on The Dr. Oz Show. She's the author of numerous books, including her new book, Sacred Rest, Recover Your Life, Renew Your Energy, and Restore Your Sanity, including groundbreaking insight on the seven types of rest needed to optimize your productivity, increase your overall happiness, overcome burnout, and live your best life. Today's conversation with Sandra was mind-blowing. And when you think of a rest, you probably think of sleep or maybe even a vacation. However, Dr. Sandra explains that there are seven different types of rest and then explains why you might be having a deficit in one or two of them that you don't even know about and what you can do to practically fix it. We nerded out with her hard on all things rest, productivity, feeling the need to perform, and how as a society, we're pretty much terrified of truly resting. I learned so much from this conversation, and I know you will too. If you're ready to learn how to rest in a way that is truly beneficial and will bring a work-life harmony to your life, keep listening. Let's hear from the one and only Dr. Sandra Dalton-Smith. You're listening to the Heart and Hustle podcast with Evie Rupp and Lindsay Roman, two photographers turned entrepreneurs and founders of the Heart University. If you're a creative entrepreneur or a motivated dreamer wanting to make the most of your life, this podcast is for you. Each week, Evie and Lindsay bring you actionable tools to uplevel your business and life. So if you're ready to step up to the plate and pursue your God-given potential, you're in the right place. You're ready to live your life and run your business to its fullest? Then buckle up, because here are your hosts, Evie and Lindsay. All right, Sandra, we are so excited to have you on the show today. I feel like this is going to be such a fun conversation. So for anyone who maybe doesn't know you, isn't familiar with your work and and what you do, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself and about your story to get us started? Sure. Well, I'm an internal medicine physician. I've been in practice for about 20 years. And about 10 years ago, I got to a point where I burned out. And that's really where I started focusing my life on things related to burnout prevention and rest and recovery and trying to learn how to get myself back on track after getting to that point. And really, it's kind of evolved into this whole thing at this point. I think that's probably where I spend most of my energy now is actually helping people to understand work-life integration and replacing Mm -hmm. that thought of work-life balance with how to stay well-rested and energized, even in the middle of a busy schedule. Yeah, that's so cool. Oh, this is going to be a fun conversation. (laughs) We're so stoked. Everyone's going to get so much out of this episode, including us. So yes, (laughs) I'm so excited. I know that rest it, like it seems like a simple process. So I guess my question is, why do so many people struggle with fatigue and insomnia and things like that when it, it seems like, oh, you, you just go to sleep or you just rest, you know? Yeah, well, I think the thing is most of us, when we think about rest, we are automatically cons- assuming that it's this one big thing that we do. You know, I'm going to rest on the weekends. A lot of us say that and we mean we're going to kind of veg out and watch Netflix or just do nothing. <laughs> and I think that's where most people really need to kind of change their mindset because rest really isn't about just the cessation of activity. And it's not about going on a vacation. It's about doing restorative activities that actually help pour back into you, into those places where you're feeling fatigued and drained and depleted to actually pour back in so that you are energized and you, you want to do some of those activities that that right now many of us say that we don't have time for. 
you know, those things that aren't as productive. But I think that's where many people are starting to to understand that to be at your highest level of productivity, you have to do some restorative activities where you're not producing things. You're not, you know, you're not checking off your goal list. You're not checking off your to-do list, but you're producing basically a healthier version of yourself. And that should be just as important. For sure. I feel like I love that you even said about like how people view rest as sitting on the couch and vegging and watching Netflix and like eating potato chips. I mean, maybe it doesn't have to be that (laughs) dramatic, but I think that's what the image of people, that's, that's what they think of when they think of rest. And so I love, I I just can't wait to even dive into this a little bit more because I think we could all probably agree that that's probably not the best rest for you because you're not actually letting your mind rest. Um, Would you agree? Yeah. And, and even with that, you know, for most of us, we're sensory overloaded. I mean, we're all gadget controlled. We've got all of our gadgets and, you know, we're constantly looking at them. And so if you're, if you have a deficit in sensory rest, in other words, you're very electronically connected, then sitting watching Netflix is in no way going to feel restorative (laughs) because you're just pouring more into that area of deficit. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. And I I love what you said uh, like a second ago about just people feeling like, you know, these rest activities or whatever aren't productive. But the reality is something that I've been learning over the past like year is those items are very tightly connected to productivity because in order for us to work at our, you know, top level of performance or or whatever during our work days or or whatever in life we have to have that intentional time to fully rest and so i personally put those rest items on my to-do list because i, I want to make them non-negotiable in my days and in like i build them into my schedule of okay i'm going to walk outside with nothing in my ears and just you know breathe for 15 minutes in the middle of my workday, because I know that that refreshes me in a way that, you know, sitting in front of a Netflix show won't. So I just love that, like you, you've talked about, it's technically not productivity, but yet it is like, I just, I, I'm a, like a productivity nerd and, and love this conversation in general of just rest and how vital it is as entrepreneurs. So I feel like this is going to be a very fun conversation. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's a great point because, you know, most of us, we will schedule in all types of appointments for many things, but we, and things that we think that are good for our business and that'll help us to be more creative and to, you know, be more innovative. And we will quickly schedule those things on our calendar, but not thinking that really to be, to maintain a level of innovation and to maintain a level of creativity, you actually have to pour into that reservoir of your life. And that's what creative rest looks like. You know, as we go into the discussion, talk about the seven types of rest. That's one that I find that most entrepreneurs have never heard of. And then they wonder why they, they can't think outside of the box as well as they would, would desire. Why their marketing's not up to par or they're, you know, they're watching someone else and it's like, wow, how does she come up with all these great ideas? And I can guarantee you some of the most productive people, actually Fast Company did an article on my book based on this exact topic. They called it Secrets of the Most Productive People because the most productive, highly effective, and innovative people know how to rest well. Mm. This is getting me so excited. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, well, Sandra, would you want to talk to us a little bit then as we begin to really dive into the discussion of rest? Is there a distinction and a difference between sleep and rest? And if so, do you want to kind of explain that and expand on that a little bit before we get into more of today's conversation? Yes. Well, sleep sleep is basically one type of rest. It's a type of physical rest. And within my research, what I what I found was that there are multiple types of rest. There's actually seven that I found. And when you just focus your attention on sleep and you think that you're going to solve all of your fatigue issues by sleeping, you're omitting all of these other types of rest. And unfortunately, you can't solve, let's say, a social rest or emotional rest deficit by sleeping. You can only resolve it by doing restorative activities that are specific to either emotional or social rest. And I think that's where we, we fell. 
is that we think that I'm tired. So let me just go to sleep and, you know, do my best to get the seven, eight, nine hours. And how many of us have done that? Woke up the next morning and we're still exhausted. That's yeah. when you know sleep there. wasn't the problem. <laughs> my hand is raised. Yeah. My hand is raised very high. <laughs> Okay, well then, could you actually, I know you say this in your book as well, Sacred Rest, but, and then you just said it now, could you actually describe the seven types of rest? Like, what are they? And yeah, just break that down for us. Yeah, so I'll name the seven, then we can kind of dive into some of them specifically. The three that most people are familiar with to some degree are the physical, mental, and spiritual rest. And then the four that are lesser known, but are typically the ones that most people are deficient in are emotional, social, sensory, and creative. And with the physical rest, there's two types. You have the passive, which is sleeping and napping. And then you have active physical rest, which are things like a leisure walk, yoga, stretching. They're things that that restore your circulation and improve your lymphatics. So those are all lumped under the physical rest. Mental rest specifically has to do with getting your mind to go to that quiet place where your thoughts aren't jumping around at everything and you know going through your to-do list, but it actually settles. Uh, spiritual rest has to do with, well, it depends on people's specific spiritual beliefs, but basically it has to do with connectivity with kind of a bigger picture, whether that's connecting with humanity or connecting with the spiritual figure, but seeing yourself as part of something bigger. And then emotional rest specifically has to do with authenticity and the ability to to stop people-pleasing type behaviors and just be very real and raw and open in how you share your experiences with others. Then we have social rest, which which is the rest we get when we are around life-giving people. So we've all been around negative people and we understand that negative people kind of bring negative energy. Well, positive people bring positive energy and it's helpful to spend time around friends and people who don't need something from you, who are not requesting or putting a demand upon your your, um, resources and just enjoy having time in their company. And then the final Mm. two, uh, sensory rest is the rest related to, uh, just like it sounds, downgrading our sensory input. So for many of us, as I said before, we have a lot of external um, sensory input and we spend most of our time in a sensory overload state And so sensory rest downgrades some of those sensory input. And then creative rest has to do with the rest that we receive when we are allowing ourselves to appreciate beauty in whatever forms. So that could be natural beauty. A lot of studies talk about people who experience this um, kind of restorative, peaceful feeling when they're at bodies of water or when they are at the beach or when some people get it when they're in the mountains. Others get it with, you know, when they're in a museum, they get inspired and kind of have the awe and wonder inside of them awakened in these settings of beauty. That's what creative rest looks like. This makes so much sense of why I'm like so inspired at the beach. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I love it. Or why we love, we love traveling. And I'm like, oh, that makes sense because it's like your, that creative rest is like getting ignited. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, okay. I have, I have so many questions spinning through my head right now, but this is like, just a random question from a, a personal position. Dr. Sandra, you you talked about like sensory rest and, and overload of how much information we're ingesting every day, especially as entrepreneurs who are just constantly at our computers, on our phones, all this stuff. I'm curious, in your your experience, do you feel like most human beings have the same capacity for like sensory input or do you feel like it it varies person to person? Uh, Absolutely. It varies person to person. Um, Some people do have a higher capacity for certain types of deficit. In other words, and we see it. I mean, how many times have, I mean, I'll just speak for myself. (laughs) I can, I can't even imagine how many times I have produced work out of my exhaustion. You know, I'm Mm -hmm. a type A personality. I can produce whether I'm energized or if I'm burned out. Nobody would have told you I was burned out when I was burned out. At the time, I was all over the news. I had book contracts. I was, you know, in the media. Everybody looking at my life was like, wow, she's made it. But I had made a mess is what I had made. I created a life that was toxic. There was no rest, but I was still producing. 
And so no one would have been able to tell you that I was burned out, but I knew how I felt. I didn't enjoy the work I was doing anymore. I didn't have time for my family. I didn't have time for my marriage. Everything was kind of, it was like, it was like I was so focused on success for so long that I got, that success got easy. But the things that made life sweet and enjoyable, those things got very hard. And I got out of balance, as some people would say. I call it a life out of harmony because I don't believe we can ever mm. get work-life balance, but we can have work-life yes. harmony where they work together and they create something beautiful. Love yes. that. Love that. Oh my gosh. Oh, well, okay, this so is good. another personal question for me, kind of. <laughs> We're just like going off the <laughs> note. But is there, are there signals or, or stressors or things that you can be aware of? Like, okay, now that we know the seven types, how do we know when we're, I guess, out of balance or out like, I mean, other than obviously like feeling stressed, are there mm-hmm. any ways that we can kind of know how to trigger or be like, oh, okay, I need to have a sensory rest or I need creative rest or physical rest, whatever. Yeah, that's, you know, that's what I spent a lot of time talking about in sacred rest for that reason, <laughs> because I think most of us need to be able to do that kind of quick self-analysis to be able to determine, right. you know, what, what's off, you know, I know something's not right. But just let's say, for instance, with sensory, just for an example, if you get to the point where you are jumpy, um, I don't know if you've ever had, well, let me give you an example that most if you're a mom, most moms have thought about this, you have a two year old, and they're at the birthday party. And they are like, they're great, until like about two hours in, And about two hours in, they are screaming their head off. They're crying and nothing's happened. You know, nobody pinched them. Nobody (laughs) took their toy from them. They've just beside themselves. Escalate that, you know, 16 years to your teenager who plays two hours of one of those video games. Or as my son sometimes do, they'll have these, what do they call tournaments or battles? And there'll be like four hours of video games. And at the end of that time, all of a sudden, your nice teenager is like this person you want to slap. Because they are just so <laughs> confrontational and, uh, you know, everything's a rebuttal. And you're thinking, what happened? And then you take that same person and you add 20 more years and they go to work every day and they're at their computer all day long. And then they drive home and on the, on the drive home, you know, they have talk radio talking about politics and everything else. And then they walk in their house and all of a sudden they're like griping at everybody in their family. All of that is what sensory overload looks like. It creates mm, this lack of patience, mean person. <laughs> and a lot of us don't understand why are, why is my temper so short? You know, you're a mom, you walk in the door, your kids say, what's for dinner? And you just about take someone's head off. You know, they're not trying to be <laughs> confrontational. They're hungry. They just, <laughs> it's a simple question. But if you've been overloaded all day with, your senses and all these inputs. It's like one last thing is too much. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. I feel like that's so helpful for so many people. I'm, I'm literally going to get your book uh, like immediately. I'm so excited to read this. Yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I feel like that's so helpful for just any human being, but especially as entrepreneurs, when there's so much coming in and out every single day, you know, emails and phone calls and and just all these things. And part of the reason I personally asked about sensory overload is just because I typically listen to business books pretty regularly. So if I'm not working, if I'm driving, if I'm walking my dog, if I'm, you know, taking a shower, if I'm cleaning the house, whatever, I'm almost always listening to some sort of like business book or just life book or something. Um, And I was like feeling guilty when you were talking about rest and thinking, oh my gosh, am I overloading myself with, you know, too much sensory input every single day? Like, should I make sure that I'm taking even more time to not have anything going into my like eyes or ears. But I feel like that's helpful to know like, oh, those are some like signals of, you know, a deficit or a burnout in in this area where I need rest. And for me to keep an eye on that of like, just being aware in my own personal life. So I feel like probably a lot of entrepreneurs or people listening to this can also probably relate of, okay, now I need to keep an eye on all seven areas and focus on resting intentionally with each one. So I'm loving this conversation. This is so much fun. 
very interesting because with COVID um, and the news, you know, when this thing first hit like around March and it was all over the news, they did a study that was basically looking at how the excessive sensory input from so many people just staying dialed in, trying to kind of stay up with the latest news and all the different reports that were coming in. And it was like 70% of Americans reported that they felt more anxious and more just drained compared to any other time in their entire lives. And these, you know, and the reality is everybody was home. <laughs> it wasn't like you were drained yeah. because you were having yeah. to you know, drive to your regular commute or, you know, most work kind of really kind of took a back burner. So why were they drained? And when, when people started doing my rest quiz and I started looking at the results, sensory shot through the roof compared to in the past, it has been, you know, emotional has been a very high one for women and creative. And then with men, it tends to be mental. Everybody sensory took off. (laughs) That was the number one for like two months um, as far as the number one rest deficit. And I think because everybody was home, we were consuming all of the electronic stuff. <laughs> Not, and then we all, yeah. you know, all the businesses switched to Zoom. So you couldn't even talk to people face to face anymore. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I believe it. I believe it. <laughs> okay. I I have a question kind of, I guess, following this is, I guess my question is, what are the, like the long-term effects of focusing then only on work and then omitting, like continually omitting regular periods of rest? Like what's, why should we be worried? Well, I think we see a lot of examples of this in really when we're looking at the lives of people who are very famous. I I know for myself, when I was first doing a lot of this research and and looking at the lives of different people who had talked about experiencing burnout and having struggles with that, one of the things that continually popped up is that when someone is focusing all of their attention on work and they don't allow for any periods of rest, you stop having opportunities in your life to reflect back on the work that you're doing. So it's very easy to get into this cycle where you produce and produce and produce, but you never take a moment to actually acknowledge what has been produced, to celebrate it, to even um, enjoy it in any way. And so that's when we start seeing people who look very successful all of a sudden take their lives because it's like they there's this feeling that your life doesn't have purpose if all you're doing is producing, but you're not able to actually enjoy anything that you produce. I, I often think about mm-hmm. it like a bee. You know, a bee's busy making honey, but the bee never sits and tastes the honey. And I don't want to have a life where I'm busy producing sweetness to everybody else, but I'm not going to actually enjoy in it, any of it for myself. I think this is so, so important for especially like self-employed people to to get a grasp on. And like, I'm getting so excited listening to this because I'm feeling like personally inspired and convicted in all the, all the ways to really hone in and focus on being even more intentional with my own rest, because that's so true. I don't want to just live my life constantly, you know, producing and never actually like enjoying the fruits of my labor. And I think this is just my favorite conversation of all week. So <laughs> Great. gold, pure gold. Oh man. Well, I would love to hear you talk a little bit about what effect does your work environment have on rest? Well, the work environment will sometimes dictate where you res- you have a rest deficit. Um, for example, if you are a, let's say if you're a teacher and you're, you're, constantly having to deal with different personalities and you're having to um, interact with students who are auditory learners and students who are visual learners, then you may be expending most of your energy in the emotional, social, and creative rest areas versus someone who, let's say, does a job as a fitness instructor who's helping people lift weights all day and, and instructing people on how to do different exercises. You're more likely to have a problem with a physical rest deficit and that you're using your muscles, but at the end of the day, you're probably not stretching them because you're not really thinking about that as a workout, even though you're constantly physically active. And so the type of work you do will oftentimes lend itself towards specific rest deficits, particularly if you're not intentional 
about doing restorative activities to kind of undo what you've done throughout the day. Yeah. Oh, that makes so much sense. Because I like think even working from home and that brings its own challenges and its own whole like, like, I mean, I, I think because I like to work in like very clean, restorative, like creatively, it, like aesthetic inspiring spaces. <laughs> and I feel like that's where I get most of my like deep work. And I just feel more rejuvenated working in spaces like that. Um, and I, I just, I feel like that could apply to so many people who do work from home versus maybe anybody listening right now that doesn't work from home. I mean, everyone maybe is working from home because COVID right now, but um, <laughs> I, I never thought of that. Like how teachers, like they're always around maybe more chaotic things that are happening and you're always, you're trying to pour more out of you versus, I don't know. I just think this is so, so amazing. That's the only <laughs> word I can <laughs> <do right now. laughs> And there's, you know, the, there's something that, that's, I think we probably have to at least think about because for a lot of people, as you stated, we're working from home and that's not our normal. And one of the things yeah. with physical rest has to do with just body ergonomics, um, you know, how your body is positioned with where you're doing your work. And I think a lot of mm-hmm. people don't, aren't really aware of what their body feels like after they've had a session at their desk. And that's one thing I always tell people who are working from home you know, after you've been sitting at your desk, typing, doing whatever it is you do at your desk, when you stand up like two hours, three hours, however long later, does anything hurt? Does anything feel tight? Does anything feel tense? Are your fingers tingling? You know, do, do your legs, are your, is your chair hitting in the wrong spot under your legs? There's so many things that can happen that will actually cause your body to, to be stressed beyond what's necessary because of poor body ergonomics. A lot of women, this is very vain conversation I'm about to have with you, but as as an internal medicine physician, (laughs) people come in here, come in to me with this complaint. They complain about the the varicose and spider veins on the back of their legs. And when I ask them, do they use a footstool at their desk? They're short. So short people tend to have more of an issue with this. The stool hits up under their legs and it causes these veins to break because of the pressure. And a simple fix is this little footstool they can get off Amazon just to put their legs in the right position to prevent that extra pressure. The same with carpal wow. tunnel, having these little wrist, um, the little wrist pads that you can have where your mouse and your wrist kind of fall in the right line so that you're not constantly having your wrist in a position that's actually causing the, the nerves to be cut off and the circulation to be cut off. I mean, as an internist, I know this is probably more technical than you wanted, but but it's, it's no, this is great. <laughs> There's a lot of people, a lot of women I find that come in with these complaints and I'm like, well, you know, the veins are there now. It's kind of like, it's not a whole lot you can do once they pop up. But I, I, you know, would love for women to kind of be aware that there's things you can do long before you get to that point to actually prevent those kind of things from happening. Does Instagram scare the heck out of you? Feeling like you're always struggling to save time on the good old gram while also creating flawless branded professional content for it? We feel you. We have made a special little something just for you. We created a PDF with our top five apps we use in conjunction with Instagram to create smooth, professional content while saving us time and energy. This is a list compiled after years of using Instagram and searching for all the secret pro tools to make our jobs easier. If you've ever wondered, how the heck did she do this? Or how did she make that? It's probably answered by one of these apps. There are little secret sauce to spicing up your Instagram. We use these apps daily and they've absolutely changed the game for us. So if you're ready to uplevel your Instagram and create pro content with just a few clicks, we got you. Head on over to www.theheartuniversity.com slash apps and let's uplevel that Instagame. That's A-P-P-S, y'all. Hey, Heart fam, we had to interrupt this episode real quick to share with you something that's revolutionized our workflow. Everyone always asks Evie and I what the number one investment is that we've made in our businesses. Without a doubt, the best investment we've ever made to get our life and time back is HoneyBook, a client relations management software. We both use HoneyBook every single day and legit could not live without it. 
It's an all-in-one project management tool that's designed specifically for creative entrepreneurs. I honestly don't know what I would do without HoneyBook. It streamlines everything. Email conversations, client workflow, contracts, invoicing, calendar integration. HoneyBook literally coordinates everything for my business. They thought of everything that a creative entrepreneur could need and combined it all in one place. From templates, brand customization, an app so that you can send invoices while you're on the go, all the way to the little ka-ching sound your phone makes every time you get get paid, aka my favorite part. <laughs> HoneyBook gives you the ability to streamline an excellent client experience from your fingertips so you no longer have to spend 24-7 working in your business and you can finally get back to living your life instead. Guys, we know you're going to love HoneyBook just as much as we do. In addition to a free seven-day trial, we have an exclusive offer just for our podcast listeners. 50% off your first year of HoneyBook. Guys, that's a $200 value. All you have to do is go to share.honeybook.com slash heart and claim your discount. That's share.honeybook.com slash heart. Or you can check out the link in our show notes. Yeah, like the simple tweaks that you can add that you just don't think Mm -hmm. about. And you're absolutely right, especially when you're working from home. You get like the hunchback. You just don't move forever. And then you finally stand up. And it's like, I, I experience that all the time. And it's like, keeping your body, you're just like moving constantly. You're like changing positions and standing up and uh, having breaks. And this kind of honestly leads me a little bit into the next question, which is, could you give us some examples of ways that we can rest in the middle of a busy workday? I mean, I guess whether you work from home or whether you work in an office or wherever, what would be your recommendation? Yeah. So um, the physical things you mentioned, I love doing kind of what we call... um, Flow break cycles, you're basically going to spend some time where you're flowing, you're in deep work, you're concentrating, you're, you're going deep, and then you have a period where you break and you allow yourself to do some of these other types of restful activities. That could include just taking a moment just to walk outside, just to get a little bit of creative rest and, and to do a small you know, five, 10 minute walk maybe around your house, I guess at this point, or just to kind of stretch your legs a little bit. So some of the other things that are recommended, particularly if you are staring at a screen for long periods of time, to to spend some time just with your eyes closed. Uh, You don't have to take a power nap or anything like that. But even if right now you just close your eyes, um, you can see kind of feel how that automatically relaxes the muscles in your face. And it starts kind of causing this calming effect just because you shut down just a tiny bit of the sensory input. And you can still hear sounds or anything else going on, but you've cut out some of the senses. And I think there's just a lot of just really tiny ways of doing that. Not having the TV on in the background or music playing in the background, um, having some periods of silence. Um, As far as mental rest, if you're someone who struggles with that, if you um, have these mind... uh, kind of ruminating thoughts in your mind where maybe you had a conversation with a client and it didn't go well, (laughs) that, you know, they, they were not happy for whatever reason. And you're kind of replaying the conversation over and over in your head to jot the conversation down because the way the brain works, if you start cycling the thought process, it, it almost gets like in this mental tangle. It's very hard to break that. But when you write it down, it gives your brain permission to let it go because now it's on a, it's kind of safe in this concrete location. And that's the same thing at nighttime for people who have that problem when they lay down to go to sleep. You start thinking about your to-do list or, you know, woulda, shoulda, coulda, coulda conversations from earlier in the day. If you write those down, it will allow your brain to actually release that thought so you can get into deeper levels of sleep. Wow. Oh, man. <laughs> this, I, this, is, this is making me so happy just because I feel like a lot of things that I have learned personally through the past few years of running my own businesses and everything, I'm like, I have a dump list, like uh, what I call my notebook next to my bed when, you know, if there's any night when I can't get my brain to shut off, I just write down every thought that comes to my mind and it helps me fall asleep faster. But I feel like this is the first time I'm hearing like a lot of this like stuff from a, a scientific perspective and kind of like explained really well to me. And I'm like, oh, that's why that helps. Oh, that's why that's important. So I'm like nerding the heck out right now. <laughs> well, I'm a nerd too. So, <laughs> so I feel like I'm good about it. So that's good. <laughs> because yeah. because I, I think for many of us, as you stated, some of these things we do 
We do them intuitively. We don't even know why we do them, but we know Mm -hmm. that it helps us. And I find for a lot of people, just having a a way of classifying it, you know, having a name to attach to it has been helpful because they didn't feel, they didn't feel justified in how they were getting their rest. Their way of getting rest may have looked different than someone else's. And so they couldn't find it anywhere where, you know, they could specifically say, well, this works for me, you know, and, and share it with their friends. And I think it's, it's been really helpful for a lot of people just to be able to call it something. You know what? Yeah, yeah I sure. get creative rest when I go to the beach. And it's almost like giving you permission now. You never needed mm-hmm. permission to rest. But <laughs> for those who felt <laughs> like they needed permission to rest, it's almost like the doctor said, I need this, this, and this. <laughs> Dr. Sandra said, that's going to be my new excuse when I go to the beach every single day. <laughs> you officially just gave everyone permission to yes. do so. <laughs> I, I think a lot of times why people struggle with rest, and, and this maybe is a rabbit hole conversation, but I think people are afraid to just be silent with themselves. Like even when you said, Sandra, like shutting off music or closing your eyes and just being still with like the TV not on, no music on. I think that terrifies some people. Like I think we as a society don't know how to just be and be still and not have anything like distracting us from, I guess, our own thoughts, our own, I don't know. What, what Do you have thoughts on that? Yes, that's, that's a great, um, that's a great uh perception because really that's the truth. (laughs) One of the things that's been very interesting that I have a lot of people ask me about are uh, sensory deprivation tanks. I'm not sure if you're familiar with those, but it's basically a light-proof, sound-proof, gravity-free area. You get into this tank, it's completely dark, completely silent, and you're floating on saline water. So you have, there's no gravity. So you're, there's no sensory, nothing. I mean, your body's just floating in this, you know, like incubation pain. And so I've done it before. Honestly, it's a surreal experience, but I'll be honest with you. And I'm someone who's, who's very well rested. The first five minutes I had, I had to fight back a panic attack and I don't have panic attack, but complete silence, complete darkness and weightlessness is not something I was familiar with. And for someone wow. who is very overly stimulated, as the most of the world is, when I talk with those people who have tried sensory deprivation tank, they have full-blown panicked out and had to like run out of the room because we are not familiar with that. And so I always recommend for people to kind of start slow with that process. If you have, if you found that you cannot be in, that you're not normally in silence. You're always playing music in the background. You're sleeping with sounds. The radio is always going. The TV is always going. There's never silence. Then just start with small doses of silence because to cut it all off will actually kind of make you go into this bit of a revolt with your body. It will not understand what that is. You almost have to train yourself to get back to a place of rest because otherwise it creates kind of a panic and just that it's such an unfamiliar territory. So I tell people to start slow. You have to kind of start where you're at. Sometimes that means that you're going to take five minutes that you're going to sit in, in your, you know, on the floor in your bathroom or in your closet or wherever you've got darkness and just enjoy the process of being in darkness. And if you start panicking, then cut it down to two minutes or three minutes. But don't force yourself to do it and to the point where you're sweating and your heart's racing. That's not beneficial either. Wow. I think it's so interesting in, you know, in our society, not only do I think a lot of people are very overstimulated in a lot of different ways, but I think it's also very easy for most of us to struggle with like a performance mindset and, you know, having a, a lot of stuff going on in our minds where we're like, I have to do X, Y, and Z in order to be worthy or in order to be seen as successful or whatever. So I think when you mentioned emotional rest a while back, you said something along the lines of it's when you no longer feel the need to perform. I think that would be so interesting and and helpful to kind of talk about a little bit more. Would you be willing to talk a little bit more about emotional rest and performance? 
Yes. I'll use myself as an example. That's usually the safest way <laughs> of describing that. <laughs> um, you know, as, as a physician, if when I show up to the ER or the ICU, there's a certain expectation of what, what's going to happen <laughs> when I walk through the door. You know, there, um, my normal personality has a tendency to be a little goofier and more laid back than most people would expect for, for a board-certified internist, but that's my profession. So when I show up in the ICU and somebody is, you know, in a critical condition, that is, I, my normal personality can't be what shows up. I have to show up with a professional persona because they don't want to hear my joke when, you know, their, their loved one is, is fighting for their life. You know, they don't want me yeah. to be kind of flippant and, you know, do the things that I would normally do with my friends if we're just having conversation. And so I think for many of us, we carry that over from our professional lives into our private lives. So if you're the CEO of a company, you know, you may be the one who's always kind of the face of a company. So you're always showing yourself as strong and, you, you know, you're not having no fear and there's no c- concerns. But there might be a whole lot of things going on behind the scenes in the company that no one knows about. And so when you're always in that kind of performance mode, where you're always feeling like you're, you're having to present a certain way, if you never get to a point where you feel like you can be truly authentic and just share whatever it is that's going on with you, it starts creating this mindset that, well, maybe, maybe it's not okay to just be real. And I think a lot of people have gotten to that point where, you know, particularly with social media, you know, I feel like a lot of us, we live our lives under the filter. And it's like, we're, we don't want anybody to see us unfiltered because what if they don't like it? If, <laughs> you know, what would they think if they saw the true me? And that's a, really just, that's a really tough place to be in because it really starts making you think that you at your core has something wrong with you. And that's when people start getting to very desperate situations. Oh, wow. Wow. That's, you just <laughs> brought the mic down. Like that was, I... I it's, it rings so true because I think so many people deal with that, especially with the presence of social media. Like you said, there's that disconnect of you, you almost want to be real. You want to show up, you want to be quote unquote authentic. But then I feel like so many people, I love what you just said. You said they're living life under the filter, which I think is such a beautiful way to say it because it's, it's almost, they're performative. They're living their lives for the performance aspect of what it will look like on the internet. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and it's, and we've got to be able to, and that's the thing, you know, everybody doesn't have to know all your stuff. Everybody shouldn't know all yeah. your stuff, yeah. but there should be boundaries. one or two people where you can just be real. And the problem is for many of us is we don't have that one person. And when you don't have that one person, because for adults, That's one of the things that a lot of the scientific research showed is that adults have fewer adult friends than ever. And so when you don't have that person that you can just fully be authentic with, then it sets up an atmosphere where you feel like you are not okay. You can't share your full truth with anyone. Wow. I love that. And I think that's so true. You you need your people, like you need someone to, to, and I, just yeah, to vent to, to talk to, to share your real self, like you said. Um, mm-hmm. and I, I even can see like even just making adult friends is hard. I think in like school or in college, you have groups, you have classes, you have activities where you can, it's easier. And as you grow up, I, I definitely see the reality and the truth in that statement. Mm-hmm. Life gets busier and more stuff piles onto our plates. And then we have family and all this stuff that that we don't prioritize friendships probably the way that we should. That's one of the great things about the studies because, you know, now it's hard to get face-to-face with people (laughs) because of everything that's going on. But the studies that we did related to both emotional and social rest, because they are so closely tied together because they both deal with people, the, the social rest component of it, the rest we get from being around other people was beneficial even if you couldn't be face-to-face in person, but you could see people that like their facial expressions and their manner, body mannerism and body movements, all of that helped to, to receive kind of the, the energy from their presence. And so I think it's important to, to spend time with friends, even if you can't break away for like a full evening out, 
But just to maybe do a Zoom call or a WhatsApp or FaceTime, just find some ways to reconnect with those adult friends that doesn't feel intrusive, where you don't feel like, oh, who's going to take care of the kids? You know, <laughs> while we go out for an adult, you know, adult evening, you can try to find ways to get some of that social emotional rest without having to kind of disrupt your entire life. Yes. Ah, love that. Um, I know you talked about it a little bit earlier, but you offer a unique resource for your readers called the rest quiz. So could you talk a little bit about that and what, why it is that, or like what it does, I guess. Yeah. Um, the rest quiz is a free rest assessment at restquiz.com. And it, what it does is it gives you a number to let you know where you stand in all seven of the types of rest. So you can determine which of the seven you are most efficient in. That way, when you're, when, if you feel like you're tired all the time, you can determine what type of tired are you. Where is it that you're having your greatest rest deficit? Then you can focus your attention on getting more restorative activities in that area and not just kind of try to figure out how to get all seven. I think that's the number one thing I hear people say, oh my God, she just told me there's seven types of rest. I've got to figure out seven more things in my life. <laughs> so, <laughs> no, chances are there's one or two that you have a true deficit in that are causing you to feel tired and fatigued. And if you focus your attention on those higher deficits, that's when you'll start noticing the biggest change. Ah, uh, well, I know what quiz I'm about to take. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love it. Well, Sandra, could you talk to us maybe for the person who's listening to this who thinks of rest as a luxury? It's not necessary in, or vital or top priority in their life right now. What would you have to say to that person who maybe has that perspective on rest? Well, my, usually my first question is, oh, do you feel energized? Because most of the time, those are the people who feel the most burned out. Because they're, they have this mindset of, I'll, I'll rest when the work is done. And the problem is the work will never be done. There will always be work. But to do work in a way that you still enjoy the work, that you still feel like the work has purpose, that you, that you still feel like you have the energy to, do, to give your best in the work that you do, that requires rest. And I think for, for the majority of people who have who experienced any level of burnout, whether they was burnout in their motivation or burnout in their ability to be innovative or just burnout in their, uh, their energy levels overall, every person who wants to kind of elevate their life, whether that's climb the corporate ladder or build a bigger business or to expand their reach, the only people who get there and to get there with a smile on their face are those who understand the power of breath. Mm, love that. Could not agree so more. <laughs> okay, we ask every guest on our show this question, and it's kind of a big question, but what is the biggest lesson you have learned in business? Wow. Well, the biggest question I've learned in business has nothing to do with rest. It has to do <laughs> with publicity, to be honest with you, publicity and marketing. Um, I found that that is the key to really expanding your reach and getting in front of your client. I do a lot of B2B and B2C um, offerings. And for the most part, the majority of that has come through some type of media. So whether it's TV or radio or podcast, there is no show too big. There is no show too small. I mean, the thing is, sometimes the niche show that you think, you know, only has maybe a thousand downloads a year, every all if all thousand of them signed up for your program, because it's such a small niche group, that's still considered mm -hmm. a win. And so I work with a lot of um, authors. That's typically the audience that I work with um, when I discuss this or I'm teaching this at conferences. And the one thing that I try to make sure each of them are aware of, you know, we're, none of us would say no to a speaking engagement to 500 people. We'd be like, yes, you know, <laughs> sign me up. I'd love to come speak to 500 people. But then we'd say no to, uh, you know, a small broadcast or a radio show because maybe they only have a couple of thousand people reach. That's not logical. It's not good business. And it's not going to really expand you at the level that it could because the mindset approach 
is the the biggest lesson in that was that your mind has to be focused on delivering to every audience your best, regardless of the size, because people receive that and then they want to work with you. Mm. I love that. It's so good. I think Lindsay and I have even discussed this with, you know, a lot of our students and audience when we discuss, you know, social media marketing and strategies behind that. But we just discuss the fact that for so many of us, we, you know, we think our, you know, Instagram following with 500 people, can we consider that puny? But if you picture 500 people in a room, that's a significant yeah. amount of people. <laughs> and so it's, it's interesting how our perspective of literally what you just said, you know, I would accept a speaking engagement in front of 500 people, of course, but yet a podcast with only, you know, a thousand or 2000 listeners like, Oh, nope, that's too small. So it's definitely interesting how we can somehow take something online and the numbers become so much smaller in a weird way. So I love, love, love that. Yeah. You know, one of the things, I mean, I'm a physician, so I did that for 20 years. And in the past year, I've transitioned more into telemedicine. And most of my time now is actually spent with consulting, consulting with companies and consulting with individuals. And so, you know, like I said, it's more of a B2B and B2C type market. So it's completely, a physician doesn't have to market themselves. Sick people come to you. You don't have to ask them to. (laughs) Yeah. It's really easy uh, marketing, but this is completely different because it's people who are wanting to elevate their energy level and learn how to have better work-life balance, or as I say, Mm -hmm. work-life harmony. And so it's a completely Mm -hmm. different market. And so for me, it's, it's, it's really been wonderful just to see how it's received when you allow people to have access. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, wow. I love everything that you've said. I mean, and even the tip, I know that wasn't rest uh, topical, but still 1000% true. And yeah. I think, again, it still gives so much value to anybody that's listening to this. <laughs> yes. Oh, well, this was such a freaking fun conversation. I feel like I could talk to you forever about rest and and balance and productivity and how rest correlates with all of it. So for anyone who is equally as eager and hungry to learn more from you and talk more with you and all of that, where can our listeners find you, learn from you, read your book, take your quiz, all of that good stuff? Well, my main website is at ichoosemybestlife.com. And from there, you can link to, if there's a link to the book, Sacred Rest, Recover Your Life, Renew Your Energy, Restore Your Sanity. And at the top of that page is a link to the rest quiz where they can find out which of the seven types of rest they need both. Well, Sandra, thank you honestly so much for giving us this hour, taking your time to break down just your expertise on rest and the seven different types. We learned so much. I know my mind is blown, um, as Evie's is probably as well. And I know (laughs) our listeners are going to get so much out of this. So genuinely just like, thank you. (laughs) Yeah, guys, seriously, go listen to everything that Dr. Sandra has out there. Read her book, like go take the quiz. I feel like this woman has so much to offer and we all need to just dive into her information. So go rest up this week. Lindsay and I are cheering you on and we will see you next time.